Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Alexander Rivera. He's just published a book. Title of it is The Laurel Turns Green. And he has a website that you can see about and look into the book. It's theaoni.com. He's also published uh, books in the past. In 2020, he wrote The Sun Lady Unveiled. And then... He wrote with Tracy Twyman back in 2015 a book titled Baphomet or Baphomet, The Temple Mystery Unveiled. And uh, I've done an interview with her. She's unfortunately passed away. Um, but um, he's reached out to me a little bit. We've talked a little bit, but it's a very interesting, very well-researched book. This one, The Laurel Turns Green, very long, um, but he can talk more about that. So Alexander Rivera, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, William, uh, for having me on. I definitely appreciate it. Great. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for uh, agreeing to the interview. So people may not have heard your name, not read your earlier books. Can you kind of talk about your background, your interests, and kind of what led you to write the Baphomet book, and then also uh, the, the the one about uh, the, the Sun Lady Unveiled and leading up to this current book, The Laurel Turns Green? Sure. Wow. So <laughs> I'll have to enc encapsulate everything in uh, condense it into a little nutshell, but yeah, I'll try to do my best. So basically, I mean, I was raised uh, Seventh-day Adventist, um, you know, to a regular family, you know, uh, very nice household. Um, but I think, uh, I guess in my late teens, uh, I sort of kind of <laughs> fell out of it, uh, including with my family too. Like they also kind of like dropped out of it. Um, so as a result, it kind of like was always searching, you know, for uh something you know so all this writing has been sort of like this uh journey or kind of like a uh search for like you know for the truth right right so um so i mean whether i mean whether or not like some places that didn't have much truth there's other places that they did so i mean i mean it's kind of a my experience with all this stuff is just like kind of a it's, it is a mixed bag for sure, but but I mean, kind of skip all the way to like you know with Tracy Twyman. So she actually uh, reached out to me about co-writing that book about uh, the Baphomet one. So originally, I um, I wrote a you know I started my website back in 2013. Actually, was following a lot of her work before that, um, so I was well aware of her well aware of her her a lot of her writings uh, back in their 2000s and then um then back in a lot of books right didn't she put out like 10 books or something like that she was yeah big. yeah she was very prolific back in her, her, her heyday for sure yeah so she uh i know she wrote a, a bunch of different things but i know one of her one of her books that kind of brought me to her attention was um it was the uh Money grows in the tree of knowledge. So that was like my introduction to her work. So, you know, so I reached out to her and we did like an, a couple of interviews and then um, about her work. So I was kind of like running a little podcast <laughs> at that time. I just lately I just haven't really had time to do that. But uh, but I was running like a little podcast and we did some interviews and then um, then she reached out to me and she because she because she you know she saw the stuff that I wrote on my website. Mm. So, and then, uh, so that's, I think that's how it all kind of started really with her. 
So, and then I agreed to it because, you know, I was like, I was flattered, you know, to like, sure, I'll help you out. Um, That was the beginning. And what does Baphomet, what does it cover? Like, I mean, you, I mean, just the old legend of the uh, Knights Templar or what, what, what do you get? I haven't read it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, uh, it really goes into like uh, Joseph von Hammer Perksall's work. Um, He was a Austrian Orientalist in the 1800s. So he wrote a, big essay called um baphometum revelatum no sorry mysterium baphometus revelatum this was a part of like a larger set of essays about uh the assassins mm-hmm. but um but all of that really all that stuff that he wrote um was mainly about this all of these heretical doctrines of the nice templar so and a lot of that stuff connects to a lot of these uh, Ophite Gnostics um, that we see in uh, that we see in uh, you know the Church Fathers and their writings about them, um, among a bunch of other uh, heretical. Levy things. Levy was the one who kind of made the most famous representation of Baphomet, right? In his one of his books. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So he uh, he actually um, modeled that stuff after uh, Perkstall's work, actually. That we uh, yeah, so Perkstall, so that's the 1818 The Mystery of Baphomet Revealed, is the would be the English translation, right? Right, right. So it was like so it was written like in a bunch of different languages, uh, like Latin, uh, Greek, um, Arabic. So, but there's like a lot of like sorted imagery involved in that. Uh, I wasn't even aware of that, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So, I mean. We'll see what happens in the future, but um, I am working sort of like on this. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not like I haven't like actually translated, but a friend of mine is working like another translation of that, so we may wind up publishing it in the future. I'm just not sure yet. We'll see. But it's already somebody's already translated it into English, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a while back. Yeah, somebody did that. But the thing is, like, it's uh, I'm not sure who did it first. I forgot the name, but. Uh, it is a, it is available on Google, but Tracy actually uh, hired a professor to uh, do the translation uh, oh, for her. Yeah, but what's really crazy about the whole thing is that the professor, um, I can't really say his name, but he didn't, <laughs> but he didn't want to really reveal who he is. But uh, he was having all these poltergeist attacks and activity just from even looking at these images. apparently yeah so uh a lot of the images deal with like people being baptized or these you have these chimeric kind of like androgynous demons you know running around and people naked women carrying serpents so so it's all tied with these you know these um pagan kind of gnostic orgies that supposedly happened you know by the church fathers reported on so so we did like a lot of like investigation to all that and what it all kind of means. Well, what, what we think it means it does connect with like Kabbalistic legends for sure. The Kabbalah, um, mm-hmm. uh, the book of Enoch, uh, the Bible. Yes. Um, a lot of these sort of legends of uh, medieval witchcraft. So a lot of orders of, like interconnects <laughs> with one another. So, sure. but, but it's a, uh, I know it's very uh, controversial subject for sure. I mean, and I know, uh, I, I think we, we probably both got into trouble, some, some trouble uh, at some degree by a lot of people who actually 
uh, worship that entity. <laughs> right. So yeah. that is an entity that is worship. There it is. Mysterium right. Bapometis Revelatum. To Fractres Militiae Templis of the Ferrer Military Templars, right? Yeah, yeah. So Templars um, were an interesting bunch. Um, I mean, you know, of course, they were hired by the Pope to battle uh, the Islam in Jerusalem to protect Jerusalem. And, but and then supposedly they had, uh, I mean, of course, they were burnt to the stake in the end, uh, kind of like the right. Cathars were. Right. Good point. So that's in your book, too. Right. That's the title of your book. But the uh, they were infamously burnt at the stake of the leader, which is Jacques de Molay, on Friday the 13th, right, by the king of France. Right. Right. So, I mean, because they got threatened by their power, you know, by their occult knowledge, I guess, and their amassing of money. Right. They were the first international bankers. Right. You could take a, right. a writ from Jerusalem to somewhere else and not have to transfer that money and not be you know subject to being robbed or whatever and then pick it up somewhere else so pretty remarkable and there's there's a still templar um group congregation meetings all throughout the kind of uh pilgrims trails to the holy land back then so like even in italy today you can still see the templar buildings in some of these old castles oh One yeah in tuscany it's pretty fascinating yeah yeah, they built a lot of churches, yeah. <clears throat> churches, uh, congregation meetings. Some of these are churches. Some of their stuff, I have to remember where it was. But yeah, they're, they're definitely there because I saw them last time I was in Italy. Okay, interesting. Pretty interesting, yeah. Yeah, so, so supposedly like, they were like the uh, protectors of the, uh, the Merovingian bloodline. Um. I mean, that's a whole other. That's a whole other subject. But it is. It is kind of ties in though. But this is kind of your interest is kind of like lesser known history or esoteric history. Yeah, I've always been interested in yeah all all this kind of stuff. I mean, like I've been interested in, like uh, researching all this stuff, like uh, whether it's orthodox or heretical. I'm mean, I'm just like I'm just interested in all of it. <laughs> yeah, even though I may I may get in trouble with some people because of that. <laughs> Right. The place that I'm remembering, it's like a UN city. It's called San Gimignano in Tuscany. And you can go there. It's outside of Florence. And you can go there and you can literally see this this temp, literal Templar with the Templar symbolism and everything there on the, one of the streets. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, and also, so a lot of this imagery that were uh, featured in that book, that Baphomet's Revelatum one, so um, it's... Uh, well, Tracy actually uh, found out that uh, Perkstall didn't really make the whole thing up because a lot of historians claim that he just, you know, made the whole thing up, whole cloth, um, you know, for Perkstall. But turns out that um, they're actually came come from actual um, artifacts that the British Museum has stored away. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... Everyone thought that it was just a bunch of nonsense, quack nonsense. Um, that's what a lot of Freemasons claim, like, you know, Leo Taxel made the whole thing up. But not exactly. <laughs> that's not exactly true. <laughs> yeah. So, um, of course, Leo Taxel was the guy who uh, he uh, claimed that you know, the, the Freemasons were a bunch of devil worshippers, right? And, um, but um, there's another guy. His name is uh, E.A. Waite. Yeah. Or sorry, A U eight. Yeah. Um he wrote a book 
uh, called Devil Worship France. So it actually kind of goes into all that. So it kind of, yeah, it actually kind of like uh, indicates that, yeah, I mean, there's something to all that, actually. But, um, oh, there's absolutely. I mean, both um, Wait and uh, what's the other guy's name? The, um, they both go in to talk about some of the stuff in France, like uh, Gilles de Rye and stuff like that. They mention him. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's still going on. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, but um, but I mean, kind of skipping to like maybe like uh, this book. I mean, which which, you know isn't really about all that. I mean, that was I mean that book was very uh, controversial, (laughs) I'd say the least. Uh, It was a, I mean, it has a lot of dark subject matter for sure. I mean, does go into like you know sort of like the history of the whole. luciferian doctrine really i mean interesting yeah um but i mean this book that i wrote i mean it's not really doesn't really connect to that although there is a chapter that sort of like connects to that for sure but it's really more about um this uh prophecy that uh of this cathar by the name of uh gilhelm bellybast um he was uh supposedly like the last uh, Cathar that was burnt at the stake in Languedoc, France in uh, 1321. And um, he uh, was actually, so he, he was like the, I think it was burnt on August 21st, I think. Hmm. Uh, at 8 a.m. in the morning. Um, and I think he was betrayed by one of his friends and by the, Inquis- by the Catholic Inquisition. And I think... Um, but the, he was actually uh, burnt with a stake by a guy named uh, Jacques Fortier or something like that. I just forget the name exactly, but something like Jacques. But he actually became later the Pope Benedict. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Jacques. Yeah, Jacques. For, yeah, Fournier. That's what it is. Yeah. So, and, you know, Belly Bast. I mean, he, he himself. He's not like from what I heard. I mean, I haven't really, I mean, there's a book that all about this subject. I mean, what, I mean, my book isn't really about the, isn't just about the Cathars really. I mean, just, I just kind of like use that title, the Laurel turns green from what he supposedly said before his, uh, death. In the flames. The, you know, the Laurel turn greens again. Sorry. God. No, I was just saying that there was a huge battle between the Catholic church and the heretics. Like, like scorched earth, like killed tons and tons of like people. Right. right. So there was like a big genocide. I mean, like they were like hell bent on like stamping the whole thing out completely, like mm-hmm. like whole scale genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, and then uh, kind of skipping all the way back into or, or to the 20th century. Um, this was sort of like maybe besides the point, but I might as well just mention it. So there was a a um this psychologist uh back in the 1960s in uh london and um he was uh, having all these nightmares about being burnt at the stake right mm-hmm. and then um one of his uh clients so this uh this uh nine, this 30 year old uh housewife was also having the same kind of dreams that he was having so and he was sort of like thinking, suspecting that maybe that these are all like uh, 
past experiences or past dreams from the past lives of these Cathars. So, because, you know, the Cathars, you know, they believed in reincarnation. So that's probably one of the reasons why they were so hated by the church, you know, because they taught like a lot of these heretical ideas. Supposedly heretical, because you can get into one of Paul's writings where he says everybody shines on like this glory of the sun, the moon, and the stars. So it's yeah. a little close. I mean, that's not, you can have a whole argument about that, but what he meant by that is very uh, curious because it's not this, what you would say the predominant Christian. And the Mormons actually fully subscribe to that writing as, as their belief. They, they, the Mormon church, supposedly Christian, believes in that yeah. reincarnation, yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah, so, no, they really, they key into that very much. And it's still in the writings. Like, people just gloss over it. But he's, wow. and that's actually in that Beatles song. We all shine on like the sun, the moon, the stars. That's from Paul. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that, I, I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, check okay. that out. I'll see if I can find it. Yeah. So, and, you know, the Cathars were a very interesting bunch of people. Um, so they, uh, they did reject the Catholic church quite a bit. And, you know, back then, you know, the Catholic church was like the, um, the authority, you know, like they were like the government. So if you're a heretic, you're basically committing treason against the state. So they hunted down a lot of these people by, I think it was like the, the Dominicans are actually hired by the church to uh, stamp out heresy. Right. In that time. But um, but I think they uh, they really look toward like the Gospel of John as being like the more authoritative text for them. Interesting. But um, the, yeah, but they did uh, they did look at the other Bible texts as well. But but they just place a lot of emphasis on the Gospel of John, whatever reason. But um, but they actually have their own secret book of John. Actually, it's called the Secret Supper of John. And in that book, it kind of gets into this idea that um, the mankind were really like uh, reincarnated angels from heaven. So, and that, um, that, I mean, they took the idea that, you know, the prince of this world, uh, Satan, is really like the actually the creator of the universe, <laughs> which is, you know, to uh, a Christian, uh, to a you know Catholic, I mean, that's... That's the opposite. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Up. Yeah. So like, I mean, it's very alien to the Catholic faith, you know? So, so they were like, you know, okay, well, they, they need to purge these people from existence. <laughs> so we need to say, well, in order, so in order to save their souls, we have to just, you know, kill them off. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, it's very, it's a, I mean, it's a very dark history. According, I mean, to that, to the whole of the Cathars, but, Supposedly, uh, the Cathars, according to that prophecy, they're coming back around. So, like, so he said that I think William Gilham Billy Bass said that in 700 years, um, that the Cathars would supposedly return. So, what that I don't know what that means exactly. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be they're actually going to reincarnate in around this time. But but if you calculate from 1321 to to 700 yet 700 years from that exactly to uh august 21st 2021 so of course that happened last year and then uh how i got the even got to that uh title was that i was just watching one of a, an interview with um 
this one lady, her name is uh, Amanda Radcliffe, but she was on the, this uh, podcast. I think it's, it's called the Am Gnostic Radio, if you're familiar with that. I'm familiar with Am Gnostic Radio, yeah. Yeah, so uh, she was on there, and, and I mean, I, I mean, I, I spoke to her before all this. Like, she, she became like a uh, more out there. She's like a Cathar priestess. She's part of like the French Gnostic Church. But, wow, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I used to talk to her a lot, but now I've just, you know, of course, you know, you know how life is, but you know, we all get busy. But, um, but, but she kind of like she was the one that actually gave me the idea to title it that way. So this angel on the cover uh, is actually Uriel, uh, and of course, Uriel, he's the uh, archangel that you see in uh, the Book of Enoch uh, and a few other um, apocryphal texts, like. Uh, what is it? Ezra is another one that he's in, but he's a lesser known angel. And uh, Oreo, yeah. So, and he's like also like he makes up like the four other group of angels, like you know Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Um, but I mean, I just thought like what I saw that image of uh, Oreo, and I'm like, ooh, he's. <laughs> I don't know. It just popped out to me, and I had a. Uh, an artist by the name of Jesse Pepper uh, commissioned the uh, cover for that. So, oh, nice. yeah, yeah, he's a very popular. Uh, I mean, very talented author. I mean, not, not author, artist. I mean, <laughs> but he's a yeah, he's a genius. So I had him kind of do that. So, yeah, I, I liked how it turned out. So it actually looks like it's a legitimate piece from like the 13th century. Like, yeah, well, I mean, job, yeah. well, it is based on an actual real image from a church so it's not like he invented a whole cloth but i mean he just did his own spin on it <laughs> um so then i had him do like a laurel of course you know laurels what you know roman emperors would wear you know it's a sign of victory so so uriel is one of the four main angels right isn't he one of the four that yeah or something yeah, he's in the Book of Enoch. He, uh, he appears before the Lord, um, then uh, to like uh, petition the Lord to uh, intervene with humanity because you know back then uh, the the world was plagued by these giants, right? The Nephilim, so they were like ruining everything. So uh, God decided to, to uh, send a flood and destroy them all, supposedly. Um, but in the Enoch. Uh, I think it was Uriel's the one who uh, warns uh, Noah of the flood, and um, and also warns Noah about these uh, these watchers uh, that come to the earth to interbreed with humanity. So, uh, and I know uh, I think one of your past guests I was actually watching him. His name is um, uh, Derek Gilbert. He actually pointed out that like uh, how Shemyaza was uh, actually the same as Saturn, and that I. I did not really put to, put that together at all, but I, I was kind of kind of blown away by his uh, when he said that. In one of his your past interviews. Yeah, no, he goes way back. He goes way back into those old texts and go, uh, ancient languages. He knows a lot of that stuff. And little, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with that. Not like he knows it. Yeah, yeah, like the Sumerian stuff. Yeah, the right. Anunnaki. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's another guy. Uh, his name is Billy Carson. Of forbidden knowledge he he talks about a lot of that stuff too um interesting i've been on yeah. i think there's forbidden knowledge radio right 
Yeah. yeah, I think that I don't know who. I think that's another by the name of another lady, but I know it's like Forbidden Knowledge TV or something like that. It has like a Egyptian eye on it. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but I read a lot. I mean, I watch a lot of his videos. But but uh, I mean, but the book itself, the Laurel Turns Green, is really like it's a mixture of like different subjects. Not really about the Cathars uh, so much, but I kind of sort of like use that title to kind of like take what I wrote on my website at the end I and uh and a lot of those uh articles that I wrote on my website I uh, actually took down but um but I'm like wait a minute I mean I mean a lot of that stuff is really still pretty good so I had to like dust it all off and sort of like rewrite it a little bit for the book um and update it sort of like because you know you know how sometimes your perspectives change throughout the years. So sure. I have to like edit, edit it a little bit uh, f for that reason. But um, I mean, still re relatively the same. Um, so, I mean, in the book, I get into uh, the Orphic Mysteries, uh, the first chapter. Uh, the first one's called, um, uh, the, yeah, or, or the Orphic Mysteries and on the Orphic Eros and on the Origin of the World is the first chapter. So that that was actually published on another um, magazine, online magazine. It's called the Journal for the Western Mystery Tradition. So and I wrote that back in let's see, 2014, I want to say. So so then so it's really like this uh, my uh, investigation to the Orphic stuff and the Orphic oracles and how it connects to like. Um, Gnosticism, Hermeticism, uh, Christianity, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I don't think it's all exactly the same, but I mean, there are some parallels for sure. Yeah. But that Gnosticism and Hermeticism predates the advent of Christianity, right? It goes back to Greece. Yeah. I mean, so th that's, that's like a big contention among a lot of scholars, like, you know, whether Gnosticism was like a pre Christian thing. Um, I think it only really became Gnosticism really when um, Jesus and uh, sort of like the apostles showed up, really. I mean, you see those ideas like present, like, you know, earlier stuff for sure, like, you know, the Merkaba stuff. Yeah. But, but I think, I think really it's more like a, a I think Gnosticism comes later, really. Okay. Yeah. But you kind of go back into that kind of uh, early Greek mythology and their you know plat platonism etc right yeah yeah so uh again to platonism in a lot of some other uh, essays so yeah it's, it's more like a what the book really is about it's like it's a it's a compendium of different essays i wrote throughout the years so and then i get into like plato so i get to another uh article about um the imagination right and uh how I mean, like you see, you know, you've, you've heard of like people like you know uh, Neville God Goodard or like a lot of these like core like New Thought kind of people. Yeah, so yeah, like you like you the law of attraction that sort of thing. But I kind of sort of like try to tie that in with like more ancient stuff to see if there was something there. I don't know why I did that, but I was just kind of <laughs> curious. <laughs> but you're going um, through like your references and your text. You're going through a lot of that old. Um knowledge the kind of the old writers and histories but you know pre like really some of the early almost like a classical survey would you agree with that 
for sure for sure uh it's because i mean i get into a lot of ancient stuff for sure like it's it's not really a lot of the stuff i focus on is very early for sure it's not not very it's not like uh more like medieval stuff like you might see like in my other work um now my other book the sun lady unveiled that was a little bit different um so that was like more like sort of like my investigation the book of revelation and what sort of like what it all means so you know of course revelation connects to other books of the bible that were written by john the apostle you know Um, but um so of course you know first john and the gospel of john all that but um but uh, i but in that in that book the suddenly unveiled i was getting into sort of like doing a little cross comparison with other you know religious texts too like not just christian ones so it's, i don't know i've always been like interested in like looking at all the different myths of all the different um cultures the ancients so sort of like doing like a comparative religious kind of deal i guess <laughs> um but yeah oh well i mean mm-hmm. Well, I mean, basically, I just kind of like I go into like uh, in in this book, I get into like just like uh, you know, not just like that, but I get into like Neoplatonism, I get into like uh, Middle Platonism, I get into like all these more controversial controversial figures like Simon the Magician. I get into uh, even like investigating like the whole idea of like Lucifer, what that what that really means, and and then uh, I think toward, in the last essay is where I really get into like um, this movie that came out in 2017 called mother and that was pretty uh intense <laughs> but yeah what, what were you gonna say Flame? well i was just gonna say can you explain to people like who simon magus was what's the apocryphal simon magus the non-apocryphal and some of these other figures do you kind of throw in the hermetic hustlers to have who i've never heard of maybe you can do a quick uh, overview sure so in that hermetic hustlers one so i got into uh hermeticism the corpus hermetica which was uh just a lot of people who try to date it like around the time of when a lot of these uh texts that the nakamani was written but um but i mean i mean it's so hard to tell really but but in that text those or those series of texts i mean it's i mean when i first read it, it was i haven't read the whole thing yet but but I read a lot of it, the majority of it. So, I mean, it does have a lot of connections was actually with the Gospel of John, actually. I was kind of surprised about that um, because it connects, because this figure of Hermes Trismegistus, so he's like the the thrice great, he's like the triple great <laughs> god of uh, the ancient Egypt, right? So he also connects to the Egyptian god of writing, uh, Thoth, or Toth. No, sorry, Thoth, sorry, or Tehuti, right? So, and and he was also and, and Thoth is also pretty interesting. So and and you know also in that in the book I actually connect Thoth with um with the archangel uh, Metatron that you see in um uh, the Book of Enoch too. Yeah. So he was like considered like the scribe of God, and so was uh, Thoth. And Hermes was like considered like the god of writing. So you have the emerald tablets. I mean you have um. A bunch of other things I wrote about, like Paul, for ex- for instance. So he was actually considered. Um, he was called like Hermes in the Book of Acts, if I remember correctly. 
Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So then I think uh, I think it was Barnabas who actually was also con- uh, considered to be like uh, Zeus or Jupiter by the pagans right. when he, when, they when they were, they were like, gods, right? They thought they were demigods, right? Because they were because they spoke so eloquently <laughs> because they were preaching the gospel to them, right? But um, it's Acts the, fourteen twelve. Yes. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Right. So because he was just so well spoken, so that they thought that, you know, he was sent by the gods or an yeah, incarnation. God come down to us in human form. Right. But I think I think like the reason why they reacted to them like that is maybe because maybe they you know they had the Holy Spirit, you know. So uh but of course, you know, Paul didn't really take kindly to that. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> they, were, they were rushed out of the way. Yeah, they were taken. Yeah, so he, he tore his clothes apart and just right. yeah, he just kind of went nuts. <laughs> right. They were going to sacrifice to them. Right. That's right. Right. It is a, even like I think I think Paul said like you know you have this uh, altar to the unknown god. So I mean that's the god that we worship. You know this unknown god because they were they all these different altars to different deities. Right. Back in the those ancient times, but. Right. Uh, but I thought, well, well, this God, that's the God that, you know, we represent, you know, that God is Christ, you know, Christ Jesus. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the book is, uh, but it's just so, I mean, it is a little uh, c- complex, I wish I should say. I mean, I, I do connect to a lot of different things in that book. I get, yes, I get into like the Emerald Tablets. That's another one. I get into uh, Apollonius. Atiana, he's another interesting character. Who's that? Who's Apollonius? So he was a uh, miracle worker that supposedly existed. Uh, I think around the time, the same time that Jesus did. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. Yep, you're right. But a lot of people compared him to Jesus. Um, but then there's some people who compare him to Paul too. Interestingly enough, so. So those kind of this intersection between the two, and then even we look at figures like Simon the magician. And Simon, he was like the uh, the uh, what is it? He's like the the villain of the early church, basically. Right. Yeah. He wants <laughs> he was, the power, right? He goes right. to Paul and asks him for, "Show me how you do this." Right, right. He goes to yeah. yeah. I think it's um. Let me see. I think was it Paul? No, I think it was Peter actually. Yeah, in Acts. Okay, so. so. Yeah, so uh, Peter, he uh, so he goes to Peter and is like, you know, how are you doing all this stuff? How are you making all these miracles, right? So and then, um, so why don't I just give you some cash for your right. magic? <laughs> and then Peter's like, you know, you know, it's like, uh, I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> A very harsh condemnation. But you know, what's interesting about the whole story is that you know Simon was actually was still considered like a Christian. And, uh, but even back then, even when he was trying to like uh, get that th- this Holy Spirit kind of power from Peter, right? Hmm. But um, but yeah, but but a lot all these church fathers that claimed that he was like the uh, the father of all these different Gnostic schools, right? Um, then you see like the Clementine literature kind of go into that quite heavily, like this sort of like this debate between Peter. And uh, Simon, unlike uh, the Bible and religion and Christianity, so that, I think that's really interesting. Um, if I read that, 
But uh, I mean, yeah, Apollonius of Tyana, he's also, yeah, he's another interesting character. So he, uh, I think it was uh, born around the time or same place that um, Paul was, I think, if I remember correctly, Tarsus. Uh, but Apollonius, he, he, he is sort of like a, like a hermetic kind of like miracle worker, I would say, right. for sure. For, uh, kind of like Pythagoras, Pythagoras, right? When you say Pythagoras was one too, wasn't Pythagoras involved in being at the same place at both times and all kinds of things, magic and stuff? Right, right, definitely. So, I mean, I think he follows that same tradition, really. I think. Um, so, I know there's a guy named uh, this uh, pagan theologian by the name of Celsus. Um, he talks about. He doesn't really talk about Apollonius, but he does talk about Jesus quite a bit. But he was like a pagan uh, historian that criticized Christianity quite a bit. He's like the earliest form of uh, uh, like like this uh, criticism, early Christian criticism that you see like from modern atheists, right? So, so I would say if you if you look at like the, the criticisms from atheists, the kind of like, I think they borrow a lot from him, really. Celsus. From who? From Apollonius? No, from uh, another guy. His name is Celsus. He wrote a book called The True Doctrine. Hmm. He was a Platonic philosopher, a Platonic historian, but uh, he claimed that you know Jesus was uh, wasn't really like the son of God. He was like born from some guy, some Roman soldier by the name of Pantera or something like that. Or he was like a, oh, like a Pantera, 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 or something like that. So yeah, yeah. But um, but you know, a lot, a lot of those pagans didn't really like the Christians because they thought they were an alien cult, you know. So, but you know, at the same time, you know, the the Christians thought didn't think that too highly of the Romans either <laughs> because they were killing them. <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, there's yeah, it, it's a very complicated story with that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so Apollonius was a very infamous miracle worker. I mean, he wasn't really like considered like a bad guy, really. I think he was seen more like a good guy uh, back then. But but a lot of people claim that there's like some mythologists that claim that um, Jesus was just like a copycat god of Apollonius. But but in that essay, uh, I kind of sort of sort of argued the opposite, actually. <laughs> Right, and it shows that like all these people have brought this up: Apollonius as Christ, Ermin, Gibbon, Marcus. Right. So that he's a ex, uh, repeat uh, reference, repeated reference to Apollonius. But there was all right. kinds of miracle workers back in the in the old old days. You know, that's the whole thing. A lot of people don't realize. I'm not saying there were like Christians, but mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, wise men also had. Pythagoras was like a I forgot what his miracles were, but he could do all kinds of. That was part of like a, being a wise man, and he's still kind of revered by Western hermeticists and esotericists. Uh, for sure, for sure. So you, you know, really, I mean, the whole Platonic school from Socrates was actually uh, inspired by Hermes, really. Uh, sure. From ancient, I think I think Plato was in Egypt and. Simon was in Egypt. Um, Jesus was supposedly in Egypt. Um, John the Baptist, was, if you'll read the Clementine, was in Egypt. So he was the one that uh, started the whole 
tradition if you read the Clementines. So and Simon was actually John the Baptist's disciple, chief disciple. So then I, you know, I make some uh, parallels with Jesus and Simon and Jesus or Paul with Simon because they have some similar ideas. Although I don't really think that they're necessarily the same. Although you might, you may see that from other writers. Um, but I don't think that's really the case. I don't, I think Paul and I'm sorry, Jesus and uh, Simon were different people, I think for sure. Um, and so was Paul. So, but I mean, there's some people who think that Paul was like this uh, uh, orthodox uh, written persona of Simon. <laughs> oh, that's a, that. Yeah. That's a tough one. That's a, that's a stretch. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've heard a lot. Uh, I've heard a lot. A lot of attacks on Christianity. They come from all angles. That it was all yeah. made up by the Romans. I mean, you can get all kinds of. Christ is the symbol of. He's just Son. another representation of those gods of the ancient stuff. They all died right. or were resurrected. Blah blah blah. They've said the right. same kind of stuff over and over again. Yeah, Charya. She goes into all that. You know, yeah. like that's uh, all like the Christ conspiracy, and, then, and you know, then you see other guys like what's his face. Um, Robert Price, he says that, you know, a lot of the Paul's writings comes from Simon. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I try, I, I was looking into that too, and I was making some comparisons with all that. I mean, I still think Paul was Paul, ultimately, even though, yeah, I mean, there's like, they do share some ideas, a lot of similarities between Paul and Simon. But, um, but I don't know, Paul is a little too distinct, you know. So his style is totally different than the other writers. Yeah, his his frame of reference. Uh, they're all there's there's definitely differences. I mean, you have the synopsis, but he's he's got much more intellectual intellectual heft and references in those, yeah. in those epistles that uh, the other mm -hmm. ones, even the apostles, don't have. Yeah, I if, mean, if you take the book mm -hmm. of Peter or the whatever Peter's epistles, face five. right? Yeah, I mean, there's some Dutch radicals that suggested that um, a lot of Paul's writings were just like rewritten stuff from Simon's work or his followers, and then there's other people who claim that you know Paul really is just like a, a pseudonym for an, another guy by the name of Marcion. He was like an early church leader that the church fathers hated. Because he uh, he dared like you know separate the Old Testament from the New Testament. But, oh right, right. You know. Which we do today. We still yeah. do. some people, some of these Christians don't even look at the Old Testament. They don't even think it. It's really an artificial distinction if you look at the whole history of everything. I mean, I guess from a Christian perspective, it's like why is the the Old Testament isn't really that old? I mean, there's still people are still operating off it today. It's really a, right. a more of a. They look at it as kind of an historical old age, but uh, it's still relevant. People still have it. It's still included in the Bible. All these Jews are living by it. Right, right, for sure. So, I mean, the the Old Testament. Uh, the that's a whole other podcast. Right, it is. I mean, <laughs> you can unpack all the attacks on Christianity, the defenses. You could. That's a lifetime. That is yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know Marcion, he wrote a uh, something called the Antithesis, but he was, like, trying to make all these references separating from, like, examples of, like, how the Old Testament's, like, totally different from the New Testament. And, uh, you know, if you 
like for example um in uh, isaiah you know says you know, yahweh creates good and evil and then if you look look at uh the gospel of john you know says that you know no the the, the father of jesus was you know he you know he's he's only light you know he's like so and then you know he, the word became flesh and all this kind of stuff and so they so the so the sort of like the side by side comparison between the two right so then even even jesus in the gospel of john he says like you know all those who came before me or thieves and robbers. So, so some people think that you know, the Marcion was thinking like, well, maybe he was thinking that he was referencing the Old Testament prophets when he said that. Um, but at the same time, you know, you also, you also say, you see in the gospel of John where it says, you know, the, the salvation comes from the Jews, you know? <laughs> so. Right. right. So, I mean. I contradict that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So Paul has like a very I mean he goes against uh the law quite a bit heavily <laughs> in his writings. If you love your brother, you fulfill the law. So the law isn't as important to him as you mm -hmm. know your behavior, your acts toward your fellow man. Right, right. So the the, the law is in your heart. That's it's right. actually in your inner heart. So it's not like so in fact the law was actually crucified on the cross, you know. And the flesh is crucified, you know. So yeah, that's well, so you can see why the Jews wanted to kill kill Paul. Like he's overthrowing the law. That's the conflict between the Christians and the Jews to this day, right? Uh, so because like the, we don't the Christians don't follow the law, like the capital L law, right? Right, right. Which the so, Jews is like this is sacred. You know, we're going to carry this in the scrolls. It's six hundred and fourteen rules or whatever it is. For sure. <laughs> so. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't. I'm not saying that like Paul and Simon and Jesus are all the same person. Although, I mean, I do know a lot of the similarities for sure. But I just thought that was really interesting to kind of like connect the similarities, even though there are some glaring differences. <laughs> uh, I mean, but, it uh, is interesting at that time, like the 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 kind of different kind of stew, or this kind of heady brew of different ideas and things that are going on back at that time are the same today. So you still have people in different, I mean, you have people who are Christian who have Gnostic ideas. You've got Gnostic Christian ideas. You've right. got all kinds of hermetic ideas. You've got hermetic Christian. I mean, it's just like. The, it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place is one way to put it. I'm trying to think of like a, a higher descriptive term. Like it's just a very rich, very multifaceted, uh, philosophical and religio uh, world that it was back then and it is now. I think that's what you could take away from your books is all these interesting characters are all around there and different ideas and different writers and different takes and different right. positions. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, the early church was very, um, very, uh, not, it wasn't this monolithic kind of thing, you know, like they're right. very disorganized for sure. And they, a lot of those groups like attacked each other, you know, so. Right, you can see that even in the book of Revelation, right? So, oh yeah, the, for sure, hundred percent. Message to the different churches, and even so much, even Paul's epistles, the different cities that he's sending to have different problems, right? Right. Some people right. are lifted up in pride. Some are perfect. Some are, you know. <clears throat> so, even within under the umbrella of the capital C church of that time, there's different moral judgments from paul and from god from christ in heaven right if you believe in revelation and you probably can apply those to the churches today the capital c church because there's some people out there this whole nar movement i don't know if you followed 
new apostolic reformation and some of this stuff like it is it's it's crazy it's gnosticism man it's really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what nar is uh, uh no well, I'm not it's almost like the more okay so the mormons like that was the <clears throat> the return of the apostolic tradition through joseph smith right through the angels mm -hmm. supposedly giving smith the apostolic record well the nar is kind of the same way they took back all of those uh, terms from 2000 years ago. So these people are literally apostles and seers and all, they have all these flowery titles and it's really something else. So they believe that 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 past of the 2000 years ago is now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Look up, look up anyhow. I didn't know much about it, but some of these bigger churches, they don't put it, come out and say, Hey, Alexander, I'm NAR. They say this is our church. Like I think Hillsong Church or one of the other is literally a NAR church, but it doesn't put that up to the public. So it's like an internal type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's hermetic. It's actually kind of hermetic in a way. So interesting. Yeah, no, no really interesting. look up national. Wow. It's there and like people they consider themselves one of the great churches. So it's a huh. Catholic, Orthodox, yeah, uh, reform, reformed reformation, and NAR. Oh, so they've actually claimed for themselves like this this grand tradition. Yeah, it's really something else. So you can see the battles within Christianity, people against it, around it. I mean, it's just yeah, and, and it's, it's still, never going away. Yeah, the battle's still raging, man. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. It really, it really is. It really is something else. It's like like, you know, like you would never think like Christianity for two thousand years was dominant. Well, nineteen hundred years was dominant, and there was all these heretics and burnings and the cathars and albigensians and the Ref reformation and all this stuff and like now it's almost inverted where like if you're a christian you could get persecuted for for being a christian where you know for 1900 sure. years it wasn't like that for sure yeah but now like there's so like i don't think there is predominant like if you went to israel in the in conservative part of israel if you believe Jesus was the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, they will stone you, they will stone you as an idolater. Right, They'll right. Try to stone you. Yeah, like right. they're following their law. <laughs> so, like, it's unbelievable. Like, that's what that's where we're at. This is the truth. Like, that's how that's how variegated and multifaceted the worldviews are. Like, it's we're, mm -hmm. we're in a completely new environment, but. Gnosticism and uh, hermeticism, and it's still it's in and outside of the church too. Like people, people like say, "Oh yeah, well, a Catholic man." Yeah, no. Well, there's some different teachings in certain places. I would I would dispute that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, and then in later in that book, I also go into like uh, sort of like this strange history of the Catholic Church too, <laughs> uh, that a lot of people don't really even really realize so and then um so i, I kind of connect uh sort of like the this er, the the catholic church with like uh, with simon the magician actually and i was like i was actually shocked when i found this out um there's a guy, there's a guy by the name is of uh, ernest um i forgot his last name let me look it up here real quick ernest something <laughs> but but anyway he wrote a, a really long essay about um uh about the, the about how Simon was really like the one who created the Catholic Church because oh, oh. because yeah I mean I'm not 100% sold on that but 
I mean, they, I mean, because, you know, if it wasn't the Catholic Church, I don't, I don't think, I, I doubt we would have the Christian religion, really. Uh, so, I mean, they have their place for sure, you know. But, um, but in, the, in this essay that he wrote, this guy named Ernest, like, he, wrote, he wrote this back in the 1960s. Um, he was talking about how, I think it was Ernest Martin. So he wrote a book called, an essay called Simon Magus in the Universal Church. And Simon Magus, he was like a, a Samaritan sorcerer, basically. And, um, but if you, if you trace ancient Samaria, you, you kind of, you also connected to ancient Babylon, right? Right. It's not that far off. Right. So, and then ancient Babylon, they worshiped all kinds of different deities that, um, Supposedly, the Catholic Church worships now, uh, still under like they're still like under God, right? So the real God, Mary, is actually some ancient Babylonian god, and, and Christ is Goddess. just yeah, yeah, right. some sort of like pagan god, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Peter's like really Janus, for example. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, and then Janus like is the one that holds the keys to the gods, the heavenly god, uh, the abode of the gods. Yeah. So, uh, and then, uh, and again, to like all that, and of course, the, the word pater means father. And then, so you have like the priest, uh, the Catholic Roman Catholic priest is, comes from that term pater, which is a, mm. which is a pagan term for like the, the keeper of the mysteries, right? The oracles. Right. Oh yeah. There's just so many pagan things in the Catholic church, even like, like the Pontifex Maximus, all this stuff is like crazy. Yeah. 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 Like but have you read? Have gods. you read? I think it's the apocryphal book of Peter, where Peter is battling with Simon Magus, and Simon Magus flies up, and then Peter curses him, and Magus falls to the ground dead. Do you ever read that? I gotta go yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I talk about that too in the, okay. in the book. Yeah, yeah. So I get into that. So yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty it's a cool story. I'm not sure if that really happened, <laughs> but um, but it's yeah, I know. Yeah, it's apocryphal. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but uh, I, I mean, I highly doubt that happened. But but it is pretty interesting that to to see, to see that you know Simon was like worshipped as a god back then. You know, so so they so they had to put Peter to like take him down. <laughs> it's like it's like you know, okay, like this guy he's getting too much attention, so we have to put him in his place. So so Peter he uh, prayed because he was flying. He was doing his little magic trick of flying like Superman <laughs> in right. the Colosseum in front of Nero, and then uh, Peter prayed like the, he did this uh, uh, inter. I forget the term exactly, but you know, there, it's some more of a hostile form of prayer uh, against uh, Simon. Then he fell, and then he um, broke his legs. Then he died from that. So, so Paul. I mean, uh, sorry, Peter killed Simon. <laughs> yeah, Peter, Peter put him put him to arrest. So let's. I mean, we're at the fifty-five minute mark, Alexander. Let's do a little bit. Tell me about Mother and what's your what's your take? What's your analysis? I've heard different analyses of that strange film, but what do you? What's kind of your takeaway? Yeah, so it's been a while since I watched that movie. Uh, so Mother, uh, so that was that came out back in twenty seventeen and was directed by a guy named Darren Aronofsky. Darnowski's, I think, I think he's a catalyst. I suspect because he wrote, he did, he wrote a, a screenplay and directed another movie called Noah, 
which is very inspired by the Book of Enoch and the, the Kabbalah. But anyway, um, Mother is very much uh, based on, I think, uh, not just the Kabbalistic tree of life, but also uh, the Kabbalistic tree of death, the Klifoth. So, and I talk about all that quite a bit in the essay about uh, Mother. So, I mean, there's like a few scenes where, uh, what's her face? Uh, the, the the actress in there uh, Jennifer Lawrence uh, Jennifer Lawrence right so she uh, she's holding a pot and then the pot breaks so I thought like that was like a reference to like this breaking of the shells which just comes from this idea from uh, Isaac Loria he was like a Kabbalist in the Middle in the Middle Ages but um, he was talking about how you know God cre you know he emanated the world from his power right through these seraph uh, sephirots or these power stations essentially but these sephirots the tree of life was like there were it wasn't strong enough to contain god's light right mm -hmm. so they broke and they shattered into piece into shells so then these shells became uh what is known as like the, the tree of death supposedly so uh, a lot of satanists think that the opposite that you know the tree of death came first uh chaos prime primal chaos and then from that the tree of life came from that but but if you, if you look at Isaac gloria he says you know that's the opposite um you know so god set in motion to all of this stuff you know but um or they call it the ain't soft or kether right but anyway mm -hmm. but but in the in the movie uh you know jennifer lawrence she's depicted as like uh sort of like an eve kind of figure and then you have like uh Javier Barden, he plays uh, her husband, her old, much older husband, and, uh, and then they have all these different guests show up at their house, right? Uh, and then he's like a writer, so and he's like, so I think he's like writing the whole movie. Supposedly, it's kind of very like uh, tongue in cheek, kind of like a f fourth wall breaking kind of situation. Right, gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, but in the beginning, like you see her. Uh, well, okay, so I, I, it's full spoilers. I haven't watched this movie yet, but um, in the beginning, that she's she's uh, she looks like she she's she's dying from being burned to death, and then she wakes up. It's some it's some other chick, and then she wakes up, and then she uh, it, it turns out it's Jennifer Lawrence, and then uh, so it's like it's just, so it's sort of like this eternal reoccurrence cycle, right? Right. So. It's kind of like the Ouroboros kind of situation that we're, we're happening here. So, and then Javier Bardem is like creating this whole thing. Like, it's like, oh, it's sort of like a microcosmic kind of like, sort of like localizing this house. Like, he, she takes like the whole story of the Bible and Genesis and the Garden of Eden in a much more <laughs> darker, twisted way. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, it, I mean, yeah, I disconnected Cliff off. Yeah, sorry, God. No, it's just a very mysterious film, right? Like, they're clearly play-acting some religio-mystical events, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, so, and then Adam and Eve show up, so, uh, like, another couple. So, but I kind of suspect that they're not really Adam and Eve. They're actually um, Lilith and Samael. So you see those in... Uh, Interesting. So these two... Yeah, the, the Kabbalistic literature, right? And um, 
I think there's like a book called the, the Treatise of the Left Emanation. So it claims like, you know, and the the, the 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 negative pillar, the left pillar is what gave birth to the Klifoth, right? And um, Samael through the uh, Sephiroth of the Gavura or is what kind of sort of like birthed the, the tree of death, basically. And then Milchel Pfeiffer uh, plays uh, this figure of Lilith, I think. I suspect I think she's Lilith, really. And then that Jennifer Lawrence is Eve, kind of, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> but uh, but towards the end, like, it becomes this apocalyptic kind of like mayhem situation. Where everybody's trying to get their attention, and become, then then they have this humong- this this really strange cult, uh, trying to like uh, uh, worship Javier Bardem and her, and then they then and then they, she has a baby, and then they take the baby, and then they eat it, and it's just like it's totally crazy. So so it's kind of like this weird so weird twisted version of like the Eucharist, right? You know. So I think so. Darren Aronofsky, I think, has has a very negative opinion about Christianity. But um, my opinion. But yeah, but, yeah, but uh, but but it does all. I mean, the whole movie is just so highly symbolic. It's just loaded with capitalistic ritual symbolism. It's all over the place. I mean, the thing is, like, that's just one tiny sliver or example that you'll see, you know, in in the movie industry. I mean, right. I, and I think you came made some movies about that too, right? About some of it. I mean, some of the numerology I know. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say I'm a specialist in the Kabbalah, but I've done a lot of kind of analysis of occult-related films for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So uh, Ninth Gate, all that stuff. Yeah. So that's all. It's all connected. Like I think it's all just Kabbalah, Kabbalah stuff because you know Hollywood is definitely run by those kinds of people. We're <laughs> interested in the Kabbalah, all right? Yeah. Um, Alexander, we are at the hour mark. Is there anything you'd like to add? Anything I missed? Where can people get the book? Or, and also, where can people reach out to you? Sure. So they can go to my website called theaoni.com. So you can reach out to me there if you would like. Uh, so my what my book is available on uh, lulu.com for now. I am looking at some other places to put the book on. It's just uh, having some little bit of issues with them. But you can still purchase my book, uh, The Laurel Turns Green. It's available there. So hopefully, uh, once I get that situated, I can put it on Amazon or other places. But for now, you can just go to Lulu. Um, right. So it's the, yeah, the Laurel turns me a lot of research. There's tons of like uh, interesting pieces from history and concepts and religion, religious stuff. It's the Laurel turns green. And the author again is Alexander Rivera. And I will put a link to the book and, or to, and your website as well. So people can reach out to you there. But thank you so much for your time. Sure, absolutely. Thanks, William. Thank you for having me on. Take care. Thanks. Stay there.